East Lake this morning, where when we don't get everything right, it's okay. Because God's got this, right? There we go, worked it. Awesome. Hey, before we get into the message, um, I just wanted to see if we've got anyone here today that serves in our Healthy Breakfast Club ministry over at Riverside Primary. Win, do you head out there? Jump up to your feet if you are one of those people, would you? Tina, come on, Win, jump up. There we go. Who else? Don't be shy. They're all the shy people. There we go. Casey's upstairs. She's on her feet. Is there anyone else? Tino, Denise, awesome. Will you give these guys a hand? These are the, you can sit down now. Thanks, Wynn. Um, these are the incredible people that midweek on Monday and Wednesday head over to Riverside Primary from about 7.30 to 9 a.m. and serve breakfast to kids at risk, at need. You know, often they're feeding kids that have doubled up on breakfast, but they're also serving kids that might not have had dinner the night before, that that might be their only meal for the day. It's an incredible ministry, and actually part of our Love My Mandra initiatives this year is we plan to up that. Uh, We used to do three days a week, um, and we'd like to come back to that point and celebrate that as one of our love hearts on the wall. And so that'll be like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I think. And to do that, we would need about six more volunteers that could offer themselves for an hour and a half fortnightly on one day of that fortnight. So I wondered, is there anyone here this morning that goes, yep, I've got that kind of time, and would whack up their hand and go see Jill at the info desk right now? I'm putting the pressure on. 7.30 to 9. Once, is that Josie? Going to see... Yeah, Josie. Awesome. Paula? Do Wednesday? Awesome. Awesome. That's two. That means we need four more people over the next few weeks. We can up it and feed the kids three mornings of the week and then celebrate on our Love My Mandra wall. Pretty cool, hey? Awesome. Well, um, this year we've committed to journeying through the book of Acts. We've done it in the first act, and this is the last week of the second act. And then in September, we're going to finish off the last few chapters of the book of Acts. And if you're new to church this morning, that's okay. You don't have to know anything special. The book of Acts is just one book in the Bible written after Jesus was crucified and rose again. It's written by a, a man named Luke. And Luke wrote another Bible, another Bible. He didn't. He wrote... Luke wrote another book, um, and I guess you could say his first book was all about Jesus' miracles and power on earth. And Luke's second book, Acts, is all about Jesus' miracles and power in and through his followers. And if you're new to church this morning, I just want you to know that we don't have it all worked out, that we know that we and you, and especially me, are messy and mess up at times. But the good news is that God sent his son, his one and only son, to die a death, a horrible death on a cross and take upon himself our mess, which we call sin. And that when we choose to believe in him, he takes that away from us 
and allows us to and guides us in the way to freedom and eternal life. It's full of a life full of purpose and courage and a life that means becoming more like Him. It's actually less to do about what we do that gets us into heaven. It's got nothing to do about what we do or have done that gets us into heaven. It's all about who we believe in that gets into heaven. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I pray this morning that you would speak to each and every one of us. Lord, that as I share this morning, it would actually be you that is speaking to the hearts here. As we come to you open-hearted, Lord, I pray that you would impart something in us. Not just to encourage us today, Lord, but to help us to live out our week. And not just to fill us up, but Lord, that you would speak to us in a way that would cause us to fill others up as we go out into our weeks. In your name, amen. Amen. Awesome. So we're going through Acts chapter 24 today. In Acts chapter 22 that Dad started going through last week, uh, we encountered Paul being imprisoned in Jerusalem. And then in Acts 23, Paul is transferred to Caesarea. I think that's how you pronounce it, to the Romans. And we're going to pick up the story in Acts chapter 24. Basically, Paul's still in prison. And he appears before Felix, the governor. The prosecuting lawyer argues his case. And then Paul gets his chance to argue his case. And we've talked about the book of Acts being like an episode of a Netflix series before. So if I was going to talk about this one, I think it comes straight out of an episode of Suits. Who likes Suits? Yeah? If only Paul had Harvey Specter or Lewis Litt on his side. So the lawyers are doing their bit, and in verse 14, Paul says, But I admit that I follow the way, which was the early name for the Jesus followers or Christians. I admit that I follow the way, which they call a cult. I worship the God of our ancestors, and I firmly believe the Jewish law and everything written in the prophets. I have the same hope in God that these men have, that he will raise both the righteous and the unrighteous. Because of this, I always try to maintain a clear conscience before God and all people. Paul continues on to make his point and plead his innocence. And then Felix, the governor, basically just parks it, stalls it. And when I mean stall it, I mean like Lee driving a manual car. (laughs) Never. (laughs) Two years pass and nothing happens. In fact, in Acts 24, verse 27, the end of the chapter, it says, After two years went by in this way, Felix was succeeded by Portius Festus. And because Felix wanted to gain favor with the Jewish people, he left Paul in prison. What a gripping story. Not really. Paul is just left in prison again. For the third chapter in a row, Paul's still in prison. And I kind of read this chapter and it's one of those like cool story moments. Does anyone know what a cool story moment is? It's one of those moments where you're listening to a story and you're listening so intently that when the storyteller stops talking, you, you gesture to them, no, 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 go on, I'm still listening. And they say, they look at you confused, that was it. And you go, oh, cool story. <laughs> 
I kind of find that I'm actually the one telling the stories most of the time when that happens. But I read this chapter and it, it, it feels like that. It's a cool story. Problem is, should the Bible, like, do, do, we, do you all read your Bible and, and discover everything in every scripture? Oh, so it's, it's not just me. <laughs> I wonder whether sometimes you look at your story and wonder whether it's an Acts 24 kind of story. Look at your life and wonder what it is that is great about you. Maybe you think your story is very Acts chapter 24. I believe God has breathed into Scripture, that all Scripture is God-breathed. And so I believe that His Word that says that He was, has a plan and purpose for you, that God says that you are precious in His eyes and He loves you in His eyes, is just as true as the Scripture that we read in Acts 24. I look at Acts 24, though, and I read it, and then I kind of turn the page. And I know none of you have ever done that. (laughs) And maybe it's just me. And I know that God can speak to us uniquely and differently through Scripture. So I'm sure that if I I gave this chapter to our American friend Michael, he would have had us all gripped on verse 1. Have you got verse 1? Yeah. Five days later, Ananias, the high priest, arrived with some of the Jewish elders and the lawyer, Tertullus, he would have pronounced it right, to present their case against Paul to the governor. And he would have told us how Tertullus comes from the word Tertius, Tertius meaning third, and Jesus rose again on the third day, and we were all saved in Jesus' name. In an American accent. But as I approached this message this week and I read this chapter, I only had one question. Why? Why is this seemingly not super eventful kind of drawn out episode of Paul in prison here in the book, the book of life, the word? Could they not have filled the last three chapters with more stories of Paul's triumphs and breakthrough rather than three chapters of argument without resolution? What makes Acts 24 great? What made Paul great? Or maybe a better question, what makes us great? What is greatness? That's what I want to talk about this morning. The paradox between service and greatness. I wonder what you aspire to. Think about that for a moment. What are you aspiring to right now? What does the world tell us to aspire to? The world tells us that we should be an influencer, be your own boss. You need followers. Fame is your platform to success. So make sure you go on Love Island, become a reality TV star, start your radio career, and then start selling your clothing line. (laughs) That's basically the path to greatness in the eyes of the world. But let me tell you this morning, fame is not wrong. Being your own boss is not wrong. Being an influencer is not wrong. But there is so much difference between fame and greatness. Fame is what you do for yourself. Greatness is what you do for others. Fame is what you do for yourself. Greatness is what you do for others. You can be famous and not be great, just as much as you can be great and not be famous. 
Did you know that a life of service does not diminish a life of greatness? A young man once asked his young pastor, is being competitive wrong? Is being competitive wrong? The young pastor paused. It wasn't a pause of contemplation. It was a pause of relief. The young man wasn't coming to him with a topic about sex, politics, (laughs) or money. (laughs) So the young pastor continued, no, I don't think it is wrong to be competitive. And the young man responded, well, then is it okay for me to walk into a room and compare myself to others? The young but wise pastor responded, I thought you wanted to be the best. I do want to be the best, said the young man. The pastor said, well, if you want to be the best, then there will be no one else to compare yourself to. So rather than comparing yourself to others, why don't you compare yourself against you? Why don't you compete against who you were yesterday? When you're the best, you don't have anyone else to compete with. So don't walk into your room, into a room and compare yourself against others. Look into you, said the wise young pastor. <laughs> All my stories include a young pastor now. <laughs> but competition's been diminished today. You know, I know there's positives and I know there's reasons behind it, but we seem to have eliminated winners and losers. And we're more happy with a a cooperation and collaboration than we are with competition. What effect does that have? I wonder what effect that has on society. And insert here all of the things that baby boomers say about millennials. But there's some truth. Without competition, we lack the context to push ourselves beyond our capacity. This message is for me. I am ridiculously competitive. Are there any other competitive people out there? Yeah. I'm so competitive (laughs) that at times I've been known to faint over the line of a cross country and, yes, even faint over the line of a 100-metre race. And you might say, 100, you just need to get fitter. That's not, the competitive is not the problem. But 100 metres is long when you're not breathing. <laughs> you see, I've got this concept that breathing just slows you down. So if something's going to cause me to lose, throw it out the window. I don't need that. <laughs> and so I guess if you take anything from today, it's that winning is more important than breathing. I'm super competitive. But I think that when understood properly, competition can actually make us better. I've talked about Roger Bannister before. In 1954, Roger Bannister broke the four-minute mile, the first man to do it. And as he did, all the other players in his field began to hit that target too. And today, it's something of a normality. Erwin McManus said this, When you're the best, you don't compare yourself to others. You compare yourself against the impossible. When you're the best, you don't compare yourself against others. You compare yourself against the impossible. When you do that, you make everyone better. When you compare yourself against the impossible, 
you make everyone better. Are we a church that wants to make people better? I'm not convinced. (laughs) So then, do we want to be the best that we can be? They're good questions, aren't they? But in church, though, there's this underlying theme that we can't aspire to greatness because it's all about humility, isn't it? And yes, we, we want to be humble. Yes, that's good. But I wonder if we have misunderstood what Scripture is talking about. Remember, greatness is not fame. I think Jesus doesn't diminish greatness. I think Jesus came to awaken greatness on the inside of us. But didn't he say that the first shall be last and the last shall be first? Well, why don't we look about what Jesus said about greatness? In Matthew 20, we discover a really embarrassing mum. I don't have one of those. (laughs) Verse 20, Matthew 20. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down asked a favor of him. What is it you want, he asked. She said, Grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in the kingdom. These two guys were known as the sons of thunder. And here is their mum asking for an invite to a party that they didn't even deserve. Super embarrassing. But Jesus doesn't respond to the mother. He responds to the sons. He says, you don't know what you are asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup I am going to drink? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, You will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared for by my Father. When the ten, the other disciples, heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be a servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Did you see what Jesus did there? He didn't tell them to stop aspiring to be great. He simply redirected them so that they might achieve in their aspiration to be great. He didn't try to diminish their ambition. He tried to redirect their intention. And the most common examples of greatness were being wrongly measured in the day. He said in verse 25, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. I would argue at times that the most common examples of greatness in our culture today are also being measured wrong. Do you want to be the church that sets a new example? If you want to be first, Jesus said, you should be last. If you want to be first, you must be the servant of all. Greatness is not the absence of humility. Greatness is the absence of apathy. Greatness is not the absence of humility. Greatness is the absence of apathy. Jesus wasn't trying to replace greatness with servanthood. Jesus was trying to redefine what greatness meant, which is servanthood. 
The warning is not to confuse fame with greatness. Otherwise, you might be aspiring to the wrong thing. Jesus' greatness was the totality of who he was as a person. Jesus said that the greatest of all is the servant of all. This morning, I want to challenge you to change your definition of what it means to be great and how we achieve it. But most important, I think we need to change the why. The why behind our drive to be great. The question is not whether we should be competitive. The question isn't whether we should pursue excellence. It's not about whether we should be great. The question is, why are we pursuing it in the first place? And this brings us all the way back to Acts. What made Acts 24 great? Well, Paul wrote in another book, do all things for the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10.31. Do all things for the glory of God. What was Paul doing in prison? I think he was serving God. Oh, but it doesn't look as royal and noble as I thought. For Paul, it looked like a prison cell. How do we know that he was serving God? Well, Acts 24 unpacks how Felix regularly came to him expecting a bribe, but it didn't come. All that Paul did when he was in that prison cell was share about his faith in Jesus Christ. It's our why. If our why is that we are doing all things for the glory of God, then there should be nothing that we can do that we are not aspiring to give our best. If your why is that you are doing all things for the glory of God, then there should be nothing that you can do that you are not aspiring to give your best. Be the best. Yes, be the best. It's in service that your greatness is found. The greatest of all is the servant of all. We can be great if we choose to serve and walk in the way of Jesus. As the band come up and join me, I want to ask a few questions. What is your field of play? Where have you been called to greatness? Where have you been called to serve? I don't know what your calling is. And the best place to start is often what you are passionate about. What makes your eyes light up? Oftentimes when you pair that with serving God, that's where you find your calling and your purpose. And I want to encourage you this week to take this message with you. Don't leave it here on Sunday, but actually apply it in your week. That's where the power is. Discover greatness this week through service. That's why being in a church community is so good. Because it's an opportunity to serve. Not just me, not Eastlake, but God. And there's power in that. I want to encourage you, if you're not part of a serving team, to join a serving team. Lee's going to be up the back and she can help you find your fit. Not just so that you can do for the church, but so that God can do something inside of you. I know it isn't all about Sunday though. What about sharing your faith in Jesus Christ? Paul didn't let a prison cell prevent him from sharing his faith in Jesus Christ. So I think we can do it at Smoko. I think we can do it in the office. 
I can think we can do it in the line at the cafe. Do all things for the glory of God. Don't let your circumstances put your best to rest. Paul didn't say, this is just a season. When it passes, I will serve. He didn't say that I'm kind of stuck here. I will help someone when I get back on my feet. No. He understood that if it was anything that was going to get him unstuck, it was doing for others. It was service. So join a serving team, share your faith, and serve God in everything that you do. Want a great marriage? Serve your wife. Not enjoying work at the moment? There's a few elbows over here. Stand up, Paul. No, I'm The question is, are you giving your best? Because if our why is that we are doing all things for the glory of God, then there should be nothing we can do that we are not aspiring to give our best. Living a life of service will demand of you the best you have. And you might say, I don't need to be great. I don't want to be great. Well, can I say to you this morning that the world needs your greatness. The world needs Patrick's greatness. The world needs Arnold's greatness. The world needs Wynn's greatness. He's not past it. He's still serving. He's still forwarding the kingdom of God. The world needs Jacob's greatness. At the coffee bar, after Sunday, at the cafe that he works during the week because, oh, makes me teary on the inside because when I went meet that young man, you've got to meet him after the service, he just exudes a confidence and a joy that I think comes from God. There is influence over his life and I see him in the cafe and I wonder whether people think, what is it about that boy? And I can't wait till they discover his mum and this church and how they serve and their faith in Jesus because I know that that will have an impact on our world. The world needs your greatness. Would you stand with me? Jesus came that he might set the captives free. So I wonder whether you want to be free this morning. I wonder whether you have tried what the world tells you to aspire to. I wonder whether you've tried to be your own boss. You've tried to get all those things. You've tried for people to like you, to be famous, and you came up empty. Jesus wants you to set you free from that this morning. The reality is that we are all sinners in need of a Savior. And I want you to know that about Jesus, it isn't all sunshine and roses following after Him. And I also want you to know that it isn't what you do that gets you into heaven. It simply requires you to believe in Him as your Savior. And if you want to make that decision this morning as we bow our heads, I'll just ask that you raise your hand as an outward declaration of an inward decision. If you want to make that decision to follow after Jesus, I'd love you to put your hand up right now. Awesome over there on the right. 
Is there anyone else? Why not try God's way? I can, can, I can tell you that it will compel you towards service and it will propel you towards greatness. Is there anyone else out there? You can put your hand down after you put it up. Let's pray together as a church. Dear Jesus, I acknowledge I'm a sinner in need of a saviour. Lord, be my saviour. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Teach me to serve you. Teach me to follow you. And make me great in your kingdom. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Hey, we're going to go into a time of worship and the band can start playing now. If you want prayer for anything, I'd love to pray for you. If you've got sickness in your body, I'd love to pray for you. If you need someone to stand alongside you and speak life into you, maybe you think your story is that Acts chapter 24 story and you can't quite see what God's got in store for you. I would love to speak words of life over you this morning and pray with you. Let's worship together.